0: You are listening to Podcasting 101 with RSS.com, getting you ready to launch and grow your podcast. Hey everyone, Ashley here with RSS.com. In this episode, we're chatting with Jeremy Enns about whether or not there is an actual roadmap in a person's podcasting journey. Join us as we dive into the world of content creation, building in public, and finding clarity and purpose as a podcaster. Enjoy the show. So, But I'm very excited to have you here. I I can't wait to chat about all the things. So let's just dive into it. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Can you do us a big favor and tell us what it is that you do?
1: So uh, my name is Jeremy Enns. I'm the founder of Podcast Marketing Academy, where essentially we help business owners who are, you know, never going to be like the Mr. Beasts of the world, but develop uh, really profitable podcasts. Uh, And, you know, here I'm using a, a YouTuber, but I think a lot of people in the creative space are aspiring to, you know, be the best in the world, whatever that might be. Joe Rogan's a little polarizing, so we'll go with somebody maybe a little less polarizing, Mr. Beast, but uh, use content and podcast specifically to build really uh, profitable and sustainable businesses. And uh, so have a, a course based around that, a membership, and then also write the Scrappy Podcasting Newsletter, uh, where every week I share one kind of two-minute uh, tip to help you punch above your weight as a small, scrappy underdog podcaster.
0: Yes. And your scrappy podcasting newsletter is actually kind of how you came onto my radar. I'm not really sure how I ended up on that newsletter list. But once I started reading it, I was just like, okay, this guy seems to know what he's doing. So that's why I just had to get you on the show, because I'm just like, man, this guy knows the stuff about about podcasting. And I'm kind of excited that you said Mr. Beast. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, I saw today like we're recording this in August. I'm about to go on a big road trip. That's why we're recording it so early. But uh, I just saw today that he's actually being sued by the Mr. Beast Burger Company. And it's just like, it's wild how, you know, he started with no viewers, no listeners, no, no, you know, and, and people listening right now might be in the same boat. And now he's worth enough money that he's being sued for a hundred million dollars. And it's just, it's insane to think his grassroots, how he began. And now he's this like multi-million dollar, you know, conglomerate dude that like, and you wouldn't think of that because it just, he was just on the internet doing his thing. And, but that's kind of what we're all doing here. So what I wanted to bring you on for is to talk about. Kind of the the roadmap of what it takes to go from scrappy podcaster to actually making some success.
1: Yeah, so that's uh, I mean, that's 100 percent what I love talking about. And I think, you know, I think one of the things like talking about the idea of like being scrappy was I don't know where I initially came across that kind of conception of it or that word somewhere else I think in like startups you often hear about like being a scrappy startup and I thought ah, that's an interesting like mentality to bring into podcasting as well and one of the things is I think the most successful creators business owners like keep that scrappy mentality forever for for always and so I think it's almost like not about like you want to start with that mentality but it's not something that then you like reach some level of success and you're like well now I can just like coast on this and you know, some people do that. And a lot of times they, they pay the price for that because they're not like looking for they're not continuing to experiment and looking for, you know, well, this thing that is working right now might not work forever. And which is almost always the case in marketing. And so they're not looking at that next thing that's coming. And when you get complacent, a lot of times, you know, you might have had some success to get to this point and then you, you can't kind of maintain that in the long run.
0: That is definitely so true. So, so let's kind of go backwards then for a person who is trying to get to that, but that end destination of being successful where they maybe could coast on it someday, but not really. Let's be honest. Um, what would you say to someone who is who comes to you and they're like, Jeremy, I want to start a podcast. What do I do, man?
1: Yeah. So for me, I think it depends a lot on who the person is and what their goals are. So I think somebody who is wanting to start a show that might become more of like a content creator type show. And so their goal is to create content that then attracts sponsors and advertisers. That's a bit of a different roadmap from somebody who says, okay, I've got this business over here. I've got a product that I want to get people into. And I know people talk about content marketing, you know, how do I make use of a podcast to, you know, both grow an audience, but also convert an audience into customers or clients. Those are Two, you know, fairly different ways of approaching it. But I think at the start, like it all boils down to the idea. And I think that a lot of times, almost a 100% of the time, the idea that you come up with for a show is not nearly good enough or polished enough to sustain a show in the long run and actually achieve success with. And so this is something that I think a lot of us indie creators, we look at, especially in podcasting is kind of a weird medium because. You have this like industry side of things that is not really what most of us are plugging into where there are networks and there's like NPR and the New York Times. And like, we are not creating shows the way that they're creating shows. And we don't have access to that whole, you know, existing reach and marketing apparatus and budget. And so a lot of us, because we're still in the same medium, though, that's what we compare to. And a lot of times indie podcasters and creators will take their cues from these big shows and think, well, they're doing it that way. So that and they're the best. And so I should do it that way. And that is, you are entirely doing yourself a misservice if you are are approaching that because like we don't have the resources to do that. And I can think personally of like looking at years ago, Gary B and thinking like, oh, that's the way to do content marketing where that is the way to do content marketing. If you have a huge budget and you are looking to go beyond hundreds of thousands of people and reach millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people with your brand, that's a very different thing from getting your first thousand people to follow you and buy into your message. And so I think the first thing we need to do is say like, okay, I'm not trying to do that. That is something that is not attainable for me at this point, probably will never be. And that's okay. That's not the, the, the roadmap I need to follow. And so that said, the thing about uh, going back to the, this idea of like focusing on the idea, one of the things that shows from those big networks will do, and you can read, um, I think uh, Eric Newsom's book, Make Noise, talks about this in a little bit more depth behind the scenes. I know he has, you know, worked with tons of these shows from Amazon to uh, well, Audible is Amazon, all these studios making like really expensive, uh, highly produced shows that are very story driven, things like that. And one of the things he talks about, and anybody else in that world will tell you, is that a lot of times they spend multiple years developing these shows before they ever get to launch day. And so I think... Us as creators, we see this amazing show that is incredibly polished. It gets immediate traction with an audience, and of course, part of this is due to the the marketing resources they have available. And we think, oh, like they launched on day one with this incredible idea that immediately took off. And what we don't see is the two to, two to three years of development behind the scenes of like testing it with audience and like writing scripts and rewriting and getting all this feedback and like trying it out on, on small numbers of people and like teams working together to like craft this into a show that is actually worth listening to. And that is something that you know we certainly could as indie creators do that behind the scenes as well um but i think a lot of us what we end up doing is doing that in public which i actually i think that speeds that up a lot of times but i think that what's missing is that that work that development work needs to be done somewhere and it can either be before the show is live or it can happen after the show is live but to get to the point where you uh, you have a show that is capable of really building sustained traction is not an overnight process and so i, I think that's the first thing is like The first idea that you come up with, there might be something there, but it's probably not polished enough to the point where you get it in front of somebody and they're immediately like they get it instantly and they're compelled to listen to it. And I think that that's something that most people give up before they ever get to that point of like polishing and and molding that idea. And so that's where, you know, for me, when I when I start working with somebody, it's kind of like, okay, you've got there's there's something here in this idea. There is a good idea buried here, but now we need to figure out like how do we mold this into something that is actually a compelling show? That's beyond just a good idea, but how do we actually like convey this in the best way possible, both from the content itself, but also how we market it and talk about it and and package it and all those things. So I think that's like really at the starting point where everything needs to to, the focus needs to be.
0: I I think that's great advice. And, And now one of the things that you said though, was that, you know, we don't see the behind the scenes. We don't see the multiple years of all the, all like the groundwork and the, you know the research and the there's probably i would imagine a lot of marketing uh research where they're doing like uh network groups and focus groups and all that good stuff but what do we do when we want to achieve that level of success but we like you said we we don't have those resources how can we hit the ground running but maybe not necessarily do it quite at the level of of a Gary Vee or a you know an Amazon
1: yeah so this is i think where This idea of like building in public comes in, which is again, it's kind of like an idea that's bigger in the software maker space um, rather than content creators, although it has come over to the content space in the past few years as well. And I know Austin Cleon's book, Show Your Work, kind of really popularized this among kind of general creators and and creatives, uh, depending on how you kind of identify. But I think this idea of like building in public and like showing your work regularly is what helps you understand what do people resonate with? And uh, I've heard, um, so there's uh, these two guys, Dickie Bush and uh, Nicholas Cole who have a course called uh, Ship 30 for 30. And it's a 30-day writing challenge type course. And then they have a bunch of stuff on the back end. So I went through that a while ago and they had this phrase in that course that uh, it was something like make noise and or what was it now? Uh, Make noise, listen for feedback, I think. Something like that. And so it's essentially like put stuff out there and see what bounces back to you. And this is something that, you hear a lot in the the creator space, but what you don't hear so much that they've talked about more is that a lot of us, the way we do this, is wrong. And so I certainly made this mistake. You know, a decade ago when I started blogging, I heard like, okay, I, you're you're the way you're supposed to do it is create content, and then like people will you know resonate with certain stuff, and you'll know you should double down on that. I think we've all heard that advice before. But where we go wrong sometimes is we publish content in a closed kind of forum and so a podcast would be like we don't start out with any audience it's not publishing anywhere that anybody's going to find it maybe we're doing a newsletter or a blog or like these are all channels that nobody is ever going to find that work and so we have no chance of actually getting feedback on it and so part of uh dickie and nicholas's uh premise was that they built their course around publishing on twitter for 30 days because you know there is an audience of people on twitter that if you're publishing your content there it's in an existing ecosystem. And that's where you're actually going to get feedback on your ideas. And so I think a lot of times if you are saying like want to come out of the gate strong with a podcast, I would start come up with a content list. And whatever your social platform is, whether that's Instagram or or, um, TikTok or Twitter um, or X, as I suppose it's called now, LinkedIn, like whatever it is, it can be any platform, pick one. And if you have a community there already, that's going to be much easier. But like just start like in the months before you start really developing your show content like come up with the ideas first that are going to be a part of that show and just start like writing about those and publishing content about them. And that could be writing, could be video, whatever it is, but like get the ideas out there and see, you know, what gets other people's ears perking up. And that's going to give you a much better starting point for, oh, I know there's interest in this. I've already seen, you know, that people that uh, resonated with this and responded well to this. It maybe opened up some conversations that I wouldn't have had otherwise that gives me a more nuanced perspective on the content or on the idea. And then now I'm able to make a much better episode from day one on that topic uh, leading up to it. And, you know, a, a potential side effect as well is that you start to build, even if it's a fairly small audience that you can then launch to on launch day. So I think like, for me, it 100% the ideas, both from the show itself, but also the episodes are way undervalued the importance of ideas. And so I would like start working on the ideas and like the medium that they come out could be anything you could, you know, the same idea that could go behind a great um, you know, many true crime podcasts could also be great investigative journalist articles. Then a lot of investigative journalists move to podcasting because it's an interesting medium. But they could also be written. They could also be visual. And so I think the ideas behind your show can come out in many ways in bite-sized forms in you know, longer blog posts, newsletters, whatever. I think there are ways to test those earlier on than before you putting the time into the production.
0: That makes a lot of sense. But I'm curious, whenever it comes to, you know actually starting the podcast if we're if you know obviously we're talking about podcasting so if you're actually starting a podcast do you think it's better to start a podcast with all your ideation and trying to get you know feedback and figuring out what people think and then possibly fail and move on to pivot to a new podcast or should you keep what it's currently called get all that feedback and then just kind of ride with it which do you think is better
1: yeah, I think it depends on your savviness and experience around content creation. So I added this up the other day, and um what are we in? Twenty twenty three right now. So I think I've been creating content in some form or another for fifteen years, probably. And I think I've done something like ten blogs, at least five newsletters. I've had four podcasts, I have done a couple of YouTube like mini-series, things like that. And most of them haven't really gained traction. Like it's only in the past few years that I've actually like understood, there's been two things for me. I've understood the mechanics of creating a good premise of a, we'll we'll call it a show, but it could be a newsletter as well. Could be a YouTube channel. But like having a premise around your work that is hooky and engaging to people, that was a big thing I was missing for a long time. Also just like developing the skills to do something well takes a long, long time. So like I have probably written 500 to a thousand blog posts over the past 15 years, I have, I haven't created, I've written much more than I podcasted, but I've done probably several hundred podcast episodes, like getting the reps in. I think there should be an expectation of anyone who wants to create content. Let's just call it professionally that you don't become a professional in any field imaginable without significant time investment. And so for me, I would say, if you're just getting into podcasting and you're excited about the medium and you want to explore it, I would spend less time worrying about getting it perfect and I would just want to figure out like what are the mechanics of doing this well so I want to pick a topic I'm interested in that I like interviewing people I know I'm not going to be that good an interviewer early on or maybe I'm doing narrative or solo or whatever but I just know I'm not going to be the best at this right now but I'm going to get in my first hundred episodes and I'm just going to like do this and maybe this show becomes something that's really interesting and I can like mold this over time and like this is totally something you can do is that the place you start does not need to be the place you end and like I've, I've gone back and listened to uh the the initial episodes of this american life you know one of the the cultural touchstones of, of podcasting certainly the culture as a whole as well and they are almost unlistenable if you start out with the newer episodes the it is it is not really interesting content like it's you can see like okay i can see the dna of what it became but it took a number of episodes and i i, I think i gave up i like listened to the first like two or three and i was like okay, this is not actually by today's standards. Maybe it was better back then. Like certainly there's something here, but then I skipped ahead to like episode 40 and I was like, okay, now it's getting closer to what we know as this American life. And so of course, like with anything you start, even what I found is like, I've started like creative projects that had a solid premise had, you know, I was a skilled writer or whatever. And I realized like 50 episodes later, I think of my one newsletter that took me like a hundred issues of writing it where I was like, Oh, I actually understand what this finally is now. This was not my podcasting newsletter, but my other one, uh, creative wayfinding. It took me two years of writing it every single week. I maybe I never missed a week. I think I like took a couple off for holidays, but it was like finally kind of like, oh, this is what this was always meant to be. And I just couldn't see it until I got some perspective on it and got a bunch of stuff out there. And so I think like that's a totally viable path to take. And uh to me, I think. Uh, expectation management is a huge part of like success in being a creator or a business owner or anything and just like understanding that like you wouldn't expect to pick up the cello today and six months from now be playing you know to an audience of a thousand people like that just seems ridiculous to any of us or pick up a set of golf clubs and you're going to be playing professionally five years from now even and so I think like thinking about content in that perspective where there's so much competition there's so many incredibly skilled people out there like we all need to put in the work and learn like what actually makes this good and, and find the way to hone our ideas. So um, I sometimes feel like a bit of a downer for saying that. But I think I personally would always rather like know that if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to see results overnight. And I would rather expect going in that like this is going to take me a few years. So I better pick something that I'm actually excited to do on a daily basis before I get to whatever my idea of success is.
0: I don't think that's a a downer at all. I think it's important that people know the facts because, you know, when people get into this, it is a lot of work. And so I guess my question for you would be, you know, going back to the American Life um, example that you brought up. So it sounds like what they did is they kept all their early episodes up and and they, you know, kept the name over time. But what do you think about, like, should someone really focus that much on the name or should they just kind of just start and if they need to start a new one with a new name? That's okay, too. Which do you think is the better camp to, to go into?
1: Yeah, I th- I'd think I usually err on the side of don't overthink anything.
0: <laughs> I think like Love it.
1: the idea. Yeah, it's um, I feel like nothing really matters early on. Like if if you say if you're going to make the decision, say like, OK, I am a creative person and I need to express myself or I have a business and I need to market it. And that is always going to be true. Both of those things are always going to be true. So I'm going to be doing this for a while. There's no like exit here where I achieved this incredible success and now I never do it again. Like I think anybody who's done had any kind of like creative success knows like you do something and the the reward is getting to do more of it. And so I think that's where this idea comes back in. Part of it is like picking something that you just want to do more of. The reward for it being successful is not that you can now never have to do it again. It's that you get to do more of it and you get to spend more time on it. And so I think thinking about that um, kind of, Sets you up of like, okay if I'm going to be doing this for a long time, then probably I'm going to change as a person. The world is going to change around me. There are going to be changes that happen here. And so I'm going to make the best choice that I can make right now, knowing what I know for title, for cover art, for episode content, for premise of the show, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to like make a decision and just start doing it and see how it fits out and works out for me. And sometimes you'll notice early on that like, okay, some of this feels kind of awkward. I don't really like the way these interviews are going or I don't really like talking about this content. I thought I could sustain it. But either, you know, this show is not the right show for me, which I've certainly done. uh, Or the show is like needs some tweaking and I'm going to keep the same name and everything, but I'm going to steer it in a different direction. Or maybe there's somewhere in between where it's like okay like i think i'm gonna rebrand the show and it's still kind of related but it's not as focused as i'd like to be we're going in the same audience but slightly different direction here and i think a new name would actually serve better and do a a kind of brand refresh and i think like for most people where the more successful you are the more risk there is in rebranding and so for a lot of people like If you've built it up to the point where it's actually really risky to change the brand name, it's kind of you could make the argument a good problem to have because you've already found traction. You have an audience and things like that. Whereas I think for most people, I always think back to the uh, there's a a quote by one of the Google founders. I I don't know if it was uh, Sergey or, or Larry, but it was kind of like early on at Google. They didn't they actively did not want people to discover Google because they knew that Google tomorrow is going to be better than Google today. And so I'd rather they discovered me tomorrow when it's actually better. And I I think about that every single day where I'm just like, yeah, I know my brand isn't where I want it to be yet. My content isn't as good as I want it to be yet. So I'm kind of like, okay. And I can see the vision in my mind, like, man, a year from now, it's going to be so much better. So like on, on one hand, I, I would love to have the listeners and the, the subscribers now, but also I know I'm going to make a better first impression, you know, further into the future and like, things are going to be tighter. And so keeping that in mind, I think is like another, at least for me, it's helpful in thinking about, you know, playing the long game and not putting too much stock in where things are at right now, because hopefully it's going to be better in the future.
0: So it sounds like we almost need to stop focusing so much on what's going to happen in several years, but just get out there, fail fast and and get the feedback.
1: <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And I think like, one of the things, you know, this brings up the topic of engagement, which every podcaster struggles with. I personally am a huge fan of initiating engagement rather than waiting for it to come to you. So whether or not they're existing listeners of your show, putting yourself and being an active member of a community around that your topic uh, of your show is revolves around, like not creating your own community, going out and being a part of someone else's. I think that's a way to just embed yourself in the conversation that's happening. And like people will naturally find their way to your show through that. But you'll also be able to, you know, be plugged into what's happening in that space and it's going to shape your own content. You're going to be able to like have more ideas more readily that come up with the show. And I think that, you know, then you're able, you're kind of like, you're not waiting for listeners to, to come to you and respond with you because like, if you're already a member of that community and then those people discover your show, you already have a relationship with them. And so they're probably going to much more naturally talk about your show because they already know you now they know your content. And I think that that's where things start to like click a lot more and it becomes a lot a lot less like you're you know, broadcasting you know, into the void and you're kind of just like plugging into an existing conversation that's already happening.
0: Can you give me an example of what you mean by plugging into a community you're already part of?
1: So for me, um, this has really happened through Twitter. It, it has also happened in, in other places as well. Um, and I, I suppose I'm just going to defiantly go ahead and keep calling it Twitter at this point. But um, so a few years ago, I, I had always... And I know that a lot of the data shows that podcasters are most active on Instagram, but I just like hated Instagram myself. And so I like tried hard to make Instagram work for me to build a community of podcasters there. Instagram as a platform is also less communal than Twitter. And so I moved to Twitter just for my own. There were people I liked on there, even if they weren't in the podcasting space. But it seemed like around the same time, 2020, 2021, there's a lot of like the podcasting community on Twitter was growing. And so I just, I talked about podcasting on Twitter, but I also interacted with a ton of other people who were in the podcasting space on Twitter. And there's this kind of natural community that forms around that when the people you follow, you're just like, and you know, I do this on LinkedIn now too, is like, there's a bunch of people I find genuinely interesting. They're friends. I like their content. They're smart people. They have interesting things to say. And so I spend a lot of time. I I typically spend more time engaging with their content than I do coming up with creating my own. And so like I have became friends with tons of people in the podcast space, which is what I create content around. And so what happens is like I've got exposure to their audiences who are also interested in podcasting, who then may subscribe to my newsletter, but also all the other people who are also p- publishing content will do, you know, cross promotions together or we'll do panels together or we'll shout out each other's newsletters or things like this. And so that's kind of like it's not a gated like Facebook group type community. It's just like an open conversation happening out there in the world because other people are also creating content that you can chime in on and they'll chime in on yours. And there's all this kind of like web of just discussion around, you know, whatever your topic is. And I think if you can find that or I I would, I was going to say, or create it, I would recommend early on finding that because it's really hard to kickstart that yourself and just like plug into that. Even if you're like offering a different kind of unique take on this, which, you know, hopefully you should be, um, that's going to be that way that you can like find something that's already going on and just like plugging yourself into it. And it's kind of like, you already know there's a tension concentrated around those that that conversation and so now you've like put yourself in the way of people's eyeballs and and ear holes so that they're much more likely to find you and your show as a result
0: that makes complete sense and i mean you know there's so many groups out there in every different niche and so many forums you could go on i mean you know something completely random like taxidermy there's a whole reddit thread on taxidermy and and you could create an entire podcast all about that and i'm sure someone already has and so i like the idea of going and finding what already exists And seeing how you can not dominate the conversation, but participate in it and figure out, you know, what your audience even wants to hear, because I'm sure that's a great place to get all that research for what you're going to even talk about.
1: And I think, yeah, for me, the I highly promote audience research and I also highly resist it as a creator because it sounds boring and, you know, I don't really want to do it and I don't make time for it all the time. I'll do sprints of it sometimes when there's something I, I know, like, I don't really know this, and I need to find out so that I can, you know, do this test over here or whatever. But I think when you focus on, for me, like, what, what unlocked it for me was like, okay, my goal here is not networking, it's not audience research, it's making friends. And, like, I'm going to go where there are people who are interesting to me, who I like, and I admire, and I respect, and I'm going to hang out with them. And you end up both... Doing audience research and networking, while actually kind of it's like packaged in this like Russian nesting doll of like making friends, and it's like oh I can make friends. I like talking with people about podcasting. I like talking with people about marketing, about course creation and product creation, and all these things. And by just being a person who contributes to those conversations and is regularly active there, whether that's creating my own content, uh, you know, be that you know posts on LinkedIn or Twitter or newsletters or podcasts or whatever it is, like that just like increases people's exposure to me. Um, But also it increases my exposure to like what's going on in the space and the the general vibe so that I can kind of create content that is more relevant to what people are asking about and looking for and how people are feeling and all that kind of stuff.
0: So everything you're describing, though, sounds like it's going to take so much time. So what do you say to the would-be podcaster who comes to you and is like, man, I don't know how I'm going to have time for all this. What what would you say to them?
1: I mean, I, I think that's like a real thing that people need to understand is like there is no shortcut like you need to be able to invest a certain amount of time to have success in most fields like there are certainly some niches where there's just nothing else, and so like if you can create just like a half baked show like you're gonna get your listeners there, those are very very, very rare niches that that you know there aren't very many of those, so I wouldn't like put my my hopes on any of that, but I think that that's one of the big reasons that people quit is because they get into podcasting and they realize this is takes way more I thought I was going to be like I show up for an interview, like do, you know, maybe I do an hour on the interview. I do an hour of editing and then half an hour of like publishing and whatever else. And it usually does not work out that way. And so I think why, one of the reasons, like a lot of people who have success podcasting, they're creating shows around topics that they're already active members of the community. So they don't have to, like it It doesn't become work at that point. And so like for me with Twitter, like that was not time spent researching. That was time spent procrastinating on other stuff because I like enjoyed being on there. And it's like, I would rather like shirk off work and just go like chat about my favorite topic here for 30 minutes. And, you know, 30 minutes a day isn't a huge amount. It's not nothing. But when it feels actually fun to catch up with people that you like and, you know, enjoy talking about topics that you like, it's not like an onerous thing. And so I think part of that is like finding a topic that you actually feel that for, that you want to spend more time thinking about and talking about it, which I think most podcasters, they are creating shows about those topics. Um, But then there's also just like this this recognition that usually the people I see who are trying to cut every corner imaginable from a time perspective are not the successful ones and so I think I I mean like I spend I don't know many hours a week creating content my one newsletter and now I've kind of like shaved it down a little bit because it was getting I do two newsletters which is a little bit overwhelming the one for for many the first year and a half I probably spent like 12 hours a week creating that uh, one of the other shows that I created it took like 20 hours per episode which ultimately ended up being unsustainable for, uh, because I was also doing the 10 to 15 hour a week newsletter at the same time, plus running a business. <laughs> but I think like sometimes, uh, I know I as a creator, which is, you know, a lot of people get into this mistake who are, who identifies creators as well, want to do start too many things. And so one of the things that I've over the past kind of three years really been whittling away at like, okay, what's, what's the one thing I really want to commit to and do that really well and invest the time there rather than, trying to do all these different things and actually running out of time. And so like I've at least for the summer said, okay, I'm not doing social media anymore at all. I'm just like I spent so much time on there, but and it's been I've got a lot of benefits out of it, but it's reached the point where it's inhibiting the newsletter and other things like that. And so I'm going to like for the next few months, like really focus on the newsletter and make like optimizing that and, you know, getting that to where I am, you know, feel like it needs to be right now. And then maybe once that becomes kind of muscle memory, uh, building some like out out some new things around that, then I can expand into something else. But I think um, a lot of times, like I would focus on, you know, if you are starting out with a podcast, like focus on creating a great show and talking with people and like, don't worry too much about repurposing content and all this other stuff that can easily add up hours and hours and hours, because probably that's not going to have a huge effect right now. Until you get to the point where when you talk to somebody who is your ideal listener and you like give them your one sentence description, of your show, and they're like eyes light up immediately and they like pull out their phones to subscribe on the spot so that they don't forget about it. Like if you can, when you get to that point, that's the time when it's like, okay, now I just need to really ramp up my exposure because if I'm getting that reaction consistently. That means that I'm not having to work really hard at all the other marketing stuff. It's like I can get this in front of people. They get what the show's about. And now I'm going to spend more time on all the discoverability and exposure side of things.
0: Wow. So it sounds like, I mean, because we, we, when we sat down, we were talking about, you know, a roadmap to success. But it sounds like there's so many decisions that have to be made before you can even figure out what your destination even is. Would you say that's appropriate?
1: Yeah, I mean... I, I just like so my one newsletter uh, that's not podcasting related is it's called Creative Wayfinding, and really, what this is the one that took me like two years to figure out what it's about, and I still struggle to talk about it, which makes it hard to market. Which is one of the ongoing things now, three years in, almost two hundred issues in, you know, still still working at it. Um, but really, it's it's more about like the the internal side of like making and marketing creative work, and there are so many tactical things that we we all latch onto. And I kind of think of this as like, there's this, this flip side, this like above ground and below ground. And the above ground is all the stuff we can see, the tactics, the strategies, and the below ground is all the internal stuff that totally does kind of influence everything that we do. And we're kind of on this, like this journey where we need to make the journey on both sides of that equation, that line, the, the above ground and the below ground. And I think a lot of times we try to compensate for a lack of clarity about what we want or like what the content that we are uniquely capable of creating and and should be creating and we see oh this is popular right now so i should create something like that or oh podcast collaborations that's the way to grow so we latch on to all these things and we don't we're not actually in tune with like why am i doing the show and like what about me is going to come out in the show that will make this the show that only i could possibly create and so i think a lot of times like coming back to you know doing a lot of the work to figure out first like you mentioned the destination I think that's a really, you know, a question that we should have some idea when we're, we're starting out. Like, why am I doing the show in the first place? And, you know, why am I the right person to be doing the show? Why is a podcast the right medium for this idea? I think a lot of people don't have clarity on those answers, which makes for like when when you don't, those are all like the internal side of things. And when you don't have those answers, nothing you do on the other side of the equation will actually work like because you don't have clarity at the core of like what what makes this worth listening to? Why should somebody pay attention to me and this show? And why is this the right decision for for me? And so I think a lot about like sorting that stuff out. It's usually not possible to get a absolute clear answer on that probably ever. If anybody has ever who's listening to this, like just had absolute clarity on, on, you know, everything on the internal side of things uh, in their life. uh, (laughs) I would love to hear from you and what your secret is, but I feel like for me, it's always like, a, a best guess in like a general direction, like I know I want to go in this direction and I can see how this podcast might be a good vehicle to help me get there. But then you do it for a year and you realize, ah, oh, well, that actually wasn't quite where I wanted to go. So I need to course correct a little bit and take it in a different direction. So a lot of times I just think about it as such a like a fluid process. And I think we don't tend to like that. I don't th- like people don't like uncertainty. They don't like discomfort, which is what this is. And so I think that's a huge part of the challenge is being able to tolerate uncertainty and discomfort and still put something out there that is good and that you believe in, but that, you know, is like always going to be evolving and changing and that you're never going to have, you know, the absolute answer on it, even though sometimes we, we do think we stumble onto it. And then probably six months later, we realize, oh, that wasn't quite it.
0: So it sounds like everything that you've said, and again, back to the map analogy, sounds like you're having one of those journey matters more than the destination moments.
1: Oh, yeah. Don't even get me started on the uh, journey and expedition metaphors. Um, that, that's so that's my whole one newsletter basically. But I, I think like when, when I think about like what does creative success look like to me? And so I, I identify both as a creator and an entrepreneur and a marketer and all these things. And I think about like, okay, so let's say that I was able to build up my company and sell it for whatever huge number, huge amount of money that means I never have to work again. What am I going to do the very next day? What does that mean? I am as a creative person, I am going to find a creative project to work on immediately. And I'm not going to be able to like, I will feel uncomfortable not doing that. And so for me, part of that is like, well, how do I take that energy, whatever that is that if I didn't have to work, what would I be doing? And maybe I don't have the time or the budget or whatever it is to do that exact version of it right now. But how can I work some of that into what I'm doing right now? And in my experience, like that actually creates the shows, even if they're like a business marketing tool that are actually worth listening to because there's something unique about like you and your energy that you're bringing to this, that people can't find anywhere else. And so I think, no, I don't think we, any of us actually wants the destination. I think we think we do, but like what the only, (laughs) not to get like morbid here, but the only final destination is death here. Like whether we have some, we are going to fill that time with something. And I think if you're a creative person, you're going to be doing creative work. So how can you just start doing that now so that you don't even want to get to the destination? It's like, Like I said before, the benefit is getting to keep doing more of that thing. And so I think too many of us like sometimes come up with this idea of like, well, if I do this really well, then I'm going to reach the end point and then I won't have to do it again, which is kind of like, well, why are we doing it in the first place? If part of this is like a hobby or something we enjoy, like we should want if, if you don't want to keep doing this, probably you're working on the wrong show is usually how I think about it.
0: That's a really interesting way to think about it, actually, because I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that I've been reading about lately is celebrities that finally achieve all their dreams and goals and then they become depressed. They worked Mm -hmm. so hard to get there. And then once they were there, it was like, now what? So I like the idea of well, making your destination almost a moving target.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I think there's like one of the things that I one of the things that I like about content creation, which is like both Attached to my business. And also, I have like one newsletter that's much more attached to my business, which is scrappy podcasting. And then I have another newsletter which has no products or services or monetization attached to it at all. And one of the things that I've realized is like I enjoy doing scrappy podcasting way more when I bring over the stuff from creative wayfinding and some of the ideas that feel kind of like we're talking about here, that they're less about like podcast marketing, but they're more about this like we're all trying to create stuff and build audiences while also trying to like be fulfilled as creative people and you know feed our families and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that can all live together and I think that's the really hard part of marketing and content creation is like finding out because you like almost by definition you can't take somebody else's template for that because you're a different person, you have a slightly different audience, you have different goals and so figuring out how to blend all of that together in a unique and compelling way that's both fulfilling for you but also beneficial to other people. Like that's some of the the art and like magic I think of marketing and, and creative work but i think like if you can land on that that's i think the the sweet spot that we're all looking for and i know that i've done this countless times is that we look at what is already successful and we think i need to be more like that rather than saying like what do i want to see and like what would be fulfilling for me to create that is also you know belongs in this world that um like other people in this space might also be interested in and like that's actually the the thing that's probably more likely to be successful. And uh, like, I'll give you an example. I have had so many people who've joined my course who got inspired to start podcast by Amy Porterfield. Now, hers was one of the first shows that I ever listened to, and I owe a lot of my like online business career to her and to Pat Flynn and all these people. Tim Ferriss is another common one where people like get inspired by his show and basically create copycat shows. And what nobody realizes is why would I listen to your Amy Porterfield clone show when I could just listen to the real thing over here? Like if you're not doing anything differently or Tim Ferris, a, a Tim Ferris clone show, he has access to way more interesting people. He's a much better interviewer. He has a much broader field of knowledge and like nobody can possibly compete with that. And so what would be more interesting is to say like, okay, well, she has, you know, some format here. Tim has some format here that's maybe a little bit interesting but I don't have any of these advantages that they have. I don't have their personality. And the reason, a big part of the reason that it works for them is because of something that's entirely uh, non-replicable. And so I need to find out what is that that I can bring to my show that is going to differentiate that. And so I think that's, you know, that's the thing that I like working with people with. Um, It's not something you can like write a blog post on and say like, here's the five steps to like figure out that unique thing within yourself that is like entirely magic and like, can't you can't even put words to i think like that's a much more like interpersonal thing sometimes that we can get sometimes reflections from people around us i I often recommend like just you know send an email to people five people that who really know you well and say like you know what do you think my unique like strengths or abilities are that uh, what would you say that like is my kind of like magic and i would sometimes even put like words like that even they might feel a little like soft but i think that sometimes when you put more tangible words to it people will give you oh you're really good at you know whatever hard skill Whereas like when you almost frame it as a way of like, what's the intangible things about me that like, you know, you find interesting or compelling or that I'm, I'm good at that other people aren't, you'll get some really interesting things back from people. And um, that's, I think, when you can start to hear when you start to hear the same things, then you say like, oh, this needs to be the center of my show. Like I, this needs to be the show needs to be built around that skill or talent because it's the thing that's unique to me. And, and if it's compelling to these people, probably it is to other people as well.
0: Wow. I mean, you've shared so many golden nuggets and I bet we've barely scratched the surface of of what you could riff on. So with that in mind, where can people find you online to learn more all about your podcasting philosophies?
1: Yeah. So the best place is at podcastmarketingacademy.com. And so there you can find the scrappy podcasting newsletter that we mentioned. I also have a uh, free kind of self-serve audit of your marketing. So you uh, answer 20 questions and it'll give out a personalized kind of rating on each of the categories of your marketing, and then give you some tips on what you can do to improve in each of those areas. So uh, podcastmarketingacademy.com is the best place.
0: Yeah, and, and people definitely need to to subscribe to your newsletter because, like I said, that's where I first stumbled upon you, and you share a lot of golden nuggets more than more than we could possibly fit into to a quick podcast episode. So, um, but before I let you go, I got to ask you the one question I ask everyone before I let them go, and that is, what is one question I didn't ask you really wish I had?
1: Hmm. And I feel like I really enjoyed this conversation, and we got into a lot of like you usually. So the the typical question is, I love as you as everybody here can now uh, probably notice, I love ripping on all of the non obvious, non tactical internal stuff, and so that's usually my my answer to to that type of question is all that stuff tends to get ignored, and I think it's it's basically the whole of the challenge of doing creative work and, and marketing. I uh, I just came ac- across a quote this week that was uh there's no such or I think it's like there are no business pro- problems, there are only mindset problems. I was like, oh, that uh that feels pretty accurate <laughs> hit home. Yeah uh, as I'm like thinking I'm about I'm struggling with some kind of business problem and I'm like, oh yeah, it's probably it's probably all me, mindset and emotional. So <laughs> that would be my y- you did we did get into that, but that's uh what I would say is 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 worth thinking more about than a lot of the tactical things.
0: That's really good stuff. I mean, one of my favorite mentors, Denise Stufffield Thomas, she always says doesn't matter what level of success you get to. It's new level, new devil. And so mm. you know, no matter where you are in your business, you're going to have something that comes up that you're going to have to think about. And so I like that we kind of went all over the map. <laughs> Back to the map analogy. <laughs> um, I just want to thank you for being here because everything you said, I think it's awesome. And I hope that people that are listening to this, that they got something out of this that they can kind of take and, and use towards their own podcasting journey because In my opinion, podcasting is one of the best mediums out there right now. And it's so it's such an intimate medium. Like you learn so much from people and they're in your ears. And I I love the medium. So I, I really appreciate you being here. And thank you. Just thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Ashley.
0: We'll have to do it again sometime.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Well, my fellow podcasters, we hope you enjoyed the insights, tips, and ideas shared in this episode. To learn more about launching and growing your own show, head over to rss.com backslash blog. And if you're ready to launch a podcast of your own, you can get started for free with your first episode on us. Thanks for tuning in.